What's up, everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Making these hits. Hey, making these flips. You ready? Yes. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard, where every 25-point lead is safe. As always, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Sid, what to do, bro? Everything good, man. So this week... We got a lot to talk about, just like last week. Uh, Sean actually wanted to come back and talk with us again this week, but he couldn't. Gotcha. Uh, so we're going to start with the head coaching vacancies in the NFL. Then we're going to talk the NBA trade deadline, and then we're going to make our picks for the Super Bowl. Um, so starting with the head coaching vacancies, they're now all filled. Uh, I think last week at this time when we talked, there was, um, what, three jobs available, I think, I at that it was time? It was Jacksonville. Yeah, it was Jacksonville, Houston, and then the Saints job. Yeah. Because uh, we talked about Byron Leftwich, uh, mm-hmm. how I wanted Byron Leftwich to take over in Jacksonville. Um, mm-hmm. But um, Doug Peterson ended up taking over in Jacksonville, which mm-hmm. I know off air mm-hmm. we talked about how we 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 both liked that move. Yeah. Um, Lovey Smith took over in Houston, um, which was. Bittersweet. <laughs> it was to me, it was similar to what they did last year when it was, oh, well, we looked at all of these great candidates or promising candidates of mm-hmm. the Eric B. Enemies of the world. Um, I know this is the second year in a row, they uh second year in a row that they interviewed McCowan um for the position as well. Um and other and just other guys in general. And then they land on this person that we didn't even know they had interest in. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, I, I like Lovey Smith. I love what he did in Chicago, that whole stint he was there. Tampa Bay didn't work out too well for him. But, you know, it's not, to me, it's not usually always on the coach. It's usually, you know, uh, the, there's responsibility to go around. So I can't say that he didn't deserve another shot. Um, yeah. I, I like him in this position. Um, did I think that there were better uh candidates yes i absolutely but uh i'm not mad that levy smith ended up getting getting hired there i don't think we talked about that one how you felt about that one i was pretty cool with it and i say it's bittersweet because he's stepping into an organization and i feel he has to build from the ground up luckily for him he do has uh cap, cap space and a a bunch of first round uh picks to play with so uh, i think this is a team that can uh immediately improve uh, to me, they were kind of like one of the worst teams in the NFL last year. Uh, but it starts with bringing back Brandon Cooks. If they can get Brandon Cooks back and, you know, for whatever reason, let Deshaun Watson play. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of forget that he wasn't necessarily suspended from the NFL, which kept him off the field. That was, a uh, you know, front office decisions. So, uh, you know, more than likely Deshaun Watson will play if not traded for more draft picks, whatever the case is. So, um, I, I'm thinking the Texans would be a little bit more, um, they'll compete a little bit more this year. 
And honestly, last year they overachieved. I think they ended up winning five games five, last yeah, year. Yeah, five games. Five or so. more than anybody thought they would, you know. Rolling and they were in a bunch of games. They were in yeah. a bunch of games, yeah. So I think Levy Smith has a, a good position right here to start with. And if you can convince the Texas the Texas organization and Deshaun Watson to both stay and, and him be able to play football, then you're off to a great start. Uh, yeah. If you're Lovey Smith, got to got to find a um, got to find a running back though, man. They can't yeah. keep skating with the backs they got. Um, and then the last the last head coaching job to become open, and then the last one to get filled, the New Orleans Saints hired who me and you sat here from day one when Sean Payton said he was stepping away. We said Dennis Allen has to fill that role, and that's who they ended up uh, going with. Um, and of course, we're looking at that situation closer than any other situation because that's our team. Uh, and 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 for me, it's the the parts of the coaching staff that's moving around him that's more interesting than him as the hire itself. Because once again, we were on the same page in the beginning saying that he should be the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's seeing that oh, he still wants to pick, he still wants to call the plays defensively, which doesn't shock me. Sean Payton, you know. Offensively, he wanted to still call the plays. Dennis Allen has proved to be a great defensive coordinator since taking over for us, so I expect him to want to call the plays. But then how does that play into who he can actually hire as his defensive coordinator? Uh, You see Doug Marone gets brought back to the Saints organization. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they say he's going to be the offensive line coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have – we we were saying Chris Richard should be promoted to defensive coordinator. Um, you have another in-house guy, Ryan Nielsen, who's the off- uh, the defensive line coach and assistant head coach, who was going to leave us last year to go to LSU, and they gave him that assistant head coach title. And that- oh, give me a second, Steve. Do you have to pause it like when we get up or whatnot? No, I just go in and, and cut oh, it out. I yeah. Know. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, uh and Ryan Nelson was gonna leave last year, but they gave him that assistant head coaching title. Who knows what was attached to that to keep him uh in play, but you saw I saw yesterday that they interviewed, I wanna say the Detroit Lions secondary coach, um, who's a I guy see. that I up. Uh, yeah, for the defensive coordinator position, mm-hmm. uh, which I, which I'm sure the guy that went to Detroit with Aaron Glenn, I'm quite sure he's somebody that the Saints have already been familiar with. Um, what do you think? Because right now, the, there's three important positions that we got to fill, and that's offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and figuring out who our quarterback going to be. Um, who do you think should be filling those positions? Offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about quarterback. But offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, who do you think should be filling those positions? I definitely think you got to stay in-house with the D.C. position and offer that to uh, Chris Rashad. He has experience uh, as a D.C. Um, he came in and was our secondary coach. And to me, our secondary played play great last year. Yeah. Uh, he's a young guy that, you know, if you do invest and things work out, who knows how long he can be around. Um, 
in New Orleans, you know. So uh, I definitely think that that's definitely worked uh, consideration. Far as the uh, the OC position goes, um, I, I I really can't put my finger on uh, who I think the OC job should should go to just just now. Um, yeah. Pete Carmichael is officially out. Pete Carmichael. It was said that Pete Carmichael will remain. Uh, with the organization and as a coach, but he won't be filling offensive coordinator position. So he's not going anywhere, but he's not he's not filling that role. Yeah. Which is which yeah. is crazy. I mean it's not crazy if, if he's obviously somebody who's comfortable comfortable with what he's he's doing and been doing and he's good at it. So maybe that's just him uh staying in his lane. And see, I I read reports about it, but I didn't think that that was like official or anything. Yeah. So I, I have the slightest idea. Like I can't even think of many offensive coordinators that still currently available who makes me say, "Oh yeah, I definitely want him." To me, they all gone. <laughs> they all gone yeah. now. You know. So um, I guess who, who's available right now for his OCs? So this is gonna sound crazy. The name that's still being floated around that's outside of our organization. Offensive coordinator is Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy has a contract that's ending with Kansas City. I'm guessing once the league year starts, his yeah. contract is over, and it seems like they're just gonna let that contract expire. Yeah. Um, so would he want to get from under Andy Reid's shadow, take over a New Orleans Saints offense, and show what he can do with that to where it's not maybe what's been stopping him from getting the head coaching job to this point is being under Andy Reid and having Patrick Mahomes. You yeah. step away from that. There's no Sean Payton in New Orleans. You take over that offense. You take over whatever quarterback is given to you, and does that lead to you taking a head coaching job? Um, it all depends on what it is he wants, of course. I do think that he wants to be a head coaching job. I think that him sitting around with the Saints for eight hours uh, over the weekend um, – says a lot about the Saints and their interest in him. Um, but for me, it's always, does he consider offensive coordinator, Kansas City offensive coordinator, New Orleans, a lateral move? Or does he really think that getting from under Andy Reid can open up more doors for him? If that's the case, then I I could see him taking that opportunity. It's just, who knows, you know? Yeah, it- that would really, really shock me for him to leave that situation to come to New Orleans because I feel like there's nothing more he can do as an OC that would. Oh, you don't have to stop oh, talking. When oh, okay. Did. Yeah, you good. Yeah, I don't think there's nothing more he can do as a as an OC that can kind of make him valid. Um, I honestly thought he had another unit on, on his contract. So, uh, yeah, and I, I think the world of him. Whenever you got a guy that's attached to a, a quarterback, like a, a Brad Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, uh, Big Ben, Drew Brees, like, you know, it, it goes hand in hand, like how much coaching it was versus just that play. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's nothing that, that he has to do on his end to, to concrete his name. Um, I mean, I would love to have him without a shot of a doubt. Um, and far as uh, the quarterback goes, we just got finished talking about the Texans. Uh, prior to their coaching being fired, they were right there saying, hey, we've seen enough from David Mills to bring him back. Well, now you got a new head coach. Who knows if Lovey Smith would be impressed with him or, or if he want to 
uh, open up that position uh, for trials, whatever the case is. And I feel like it's the same thing in New Orleans. Who knows how uh, the the staff that's in place now feels about Jameis Winston? And I mean, he yeah, I mean, he can he he's free to sound with somewhere somebody else. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we kind of in the same boat. Uh, I'm definitely they don't want Taysom to come close to playing quarterback with the contract he has. That's something that I think that uh you know hopefully get restructured already. Um, but you know moving forward, we definitely have to figure out the quarterback position. Um, when it comes to offensive coordinator, like I said, Eric Bianney be joining New Orleans at this point would be the perfect storm for you to be able to promote Dennis Allen and then add somebody uh, like Eric Bianney, uh to your offense and just give him free reign over it. Yeah, um, yeah. that would that would be that would be great. Uh, obviously, something's holding him back from being a head coach. We we've looked at him these past two off seasons and said for sure he should be a head coach in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, and. and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if, like I say, if it's Andy Reid being, you know, the office of mind that people consider him to be in, you know, how much credit are they, you know, it's always about how much credit are you giving each person. Yeah. Um, besides him, I haven't heard any other outside names when it comes to offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator out, outside of the organization. I've heard Mike Zimmer name get brought up. Mm-hmm. Uh, say they interviewed the guy from Detroit uh, yesterday. For me, it would still make perfect sense to be one of the guys that's already in-house, Chris Richard or Ryan Nielsen. Um, quarterback, man, we're going to – I don't – of course you inquire about any Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. If those guys are available, you're going to inquire about them. Um, I think more likely we're going to be looking at the tier below them. We're going to be looking at guys like Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G, Derek Carr, guys like that who become available. Um, if there was a quarterback in our – a quarterback that we had last season that I thought would start for us next year, it would be Jameis. Um, his rehab seems like it's going great right now. Uh, like you say, though, he's free to sign wherever he wants to sign. It's just going to depend on how much is anybody willing to give him coming off of that injury. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting, but it's really going to, once again, we got a head coach now, but the offensive coordinator is going to be the real big key for us going forward mm-hmm. and how well he can, he can manage a quarterback in our offense. Um, otherwise, uh, I mean, there, there has been some hiring and, uh, promotions within uh, Tara Austin, defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, and guys like that. Um, nothing, like I said, all the head coaching jobs are filled now, so now it's just going to be a shuffling of position coaches and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But once again, we'll get back on here next week at this time, and offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator for the Saints should be filled, so we'll have that to talk about. Um, so let's switch gears to the NBA. Super Bowl Sunday is about to become a heavy, a heavy NBA show, and maybe probably not even heavy, but it's gonna have some NBA in it uh, going forward for sure. Um, and there's been a lot of trades every 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 year we get around this time, and we're like, man, me and Sean said it the uh, probably like seven, uh, probably a week ago, we were like, look, man, it's just like any other. NBA trade deadline. They're going to do a lot of talking. They're going to uh, 
hype up all of these deals that's eventually not going to actually happen. Um, this year has proven to be uh, different. It's been a, a good uh, a, a good trade deadline. There were a lot of moves. There were a lot of stars moved or budding stars moved. There were a lot of teams who really changed uh, their trajectory uh, with this deadline. Um, we'll start with my Lakers just because they stood pat, which is what I figured they would do. There's not too many buyers out there for Russell Westbrook. Taylor, Hunt, Taylor Horton Tucker hasn't performed as well so far this season as he did last year. So not too many people were trying to move on him. Um, the trade I was seeing, uh, I saw a trade that was talking about Taylor, Hunt, Taylor Horton Tucker and I think DeAndre Jordan for like a Cam Reddish and Alec Burks or somebody like that, which would have been a decent trade, but I don't think it would have changed life for the Lakers. No. At this point. no. The only trade I ever saw uh, Russell Westbrook being involved in was Houston was willing to take him back for John Wall. To me, that's not a remove. You don't do that. Um, You just keep Russ at this point. So I'm I'm more happy with them standing pat than making a trade like Russell Westbrook for John Wall. That wouldn't have done it for me. Uh, So I like them staying pat and uh, and then just looking forward to the buyout market, which is going to have every year is going to have some some names there that could probably help going forward. Um, last weekend, the trades really started uh, rolling in. I want to say the first trade was, um, the first big trade was uh, Karis LeVert being traded to, um, dang, where did he get traded to? The Cavs. The Cavs Cavaliers. From the Pacers to Ricky the Cavs. Rubio, yeah. uh, for Ricky Rubio and, and, and draft picks, basically, and then that was followed up by the Portland Trail Blazers trading. Uh, uh, no, they traded uh, Norman Powell and Robert Covington uh, to the yeah. Clippers mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe and some other guys. Yeah. And both, as soon as both of those trades happened, I said, both of these teams are going into a rebuild. They, they're about to clean house. Uh, besides, I mean, for Portland, outside of Damian Lillard, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly didn't see them getting moving off of C.J. McCollum that quickly. Honestly, I didn't think that that was going to happen. Um, but those two moves uh, in themselves let me know that they were about to go into their rebuild. Um, and then, bam, C.J. McCollum gets traded uh, to the Pelicans for Josh Hart, uh, Alexander Walker, um, I mean, and first round, a uh, first round pick, two second round picks. Uh, and CJ McCollum goes to New Orleans with Larry Nance, who's out right now. I saw that he's going to have surgery, be out for four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony Snell, uh, I know that's your squad. How did you feel about that trade in particular? I definitely like it because a lot of times we're the we're the the team that's given up somewhat of a proven player or a proven star and doing this and the other. Uh, it, it's no secret that, you know, the Pelicans are one of the worst teams in the NBA. So anytime you can improve your uh, your roster, even if it is just for a year, right, even if CJ is there just for a year, at least it gives some type of identity to what can be moving forward. So I'm one of those uh, guys that whenever you get a player that's better, that makes your team better, as long as the sacrifice wasn't anything ridiculous, which I knew it wouldn't be, you know, for CJ McCullen at this point, um, I was definitely pleased and satisfied with it. Hopefully he stays around and uh, get everybody else back healthy and, you know, you kind of make a little noise in the West. 
And I want to say he has three years. Um, it's a good bit, like three years, $90 million left on his deal yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, didn't give up much for him. Definitely mm-hmm. thought C.J. McCollum would be going for more. Uh, but obviously his market, his market's not big at this point. So right. it's a steal for the Pelicans, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't, you gave away Josh Hart, who was somebody that I like, but yeah. you, you can argue that C.J. McCollum instantly becomes the best player in the team. <laughs> You haven't seen Zion in almost a year at this yeah. point. Um, Brandon Ingram, it depends on how you feel about Brandon Ingram. I'm real big on Brandon Ingram. Uh, I think that he's definitely on the trajectory to be a real star in the league. Um, so it depends on how you feel about him. I think mm-hmm. he's a better defender than C.J. McCollum as well. But like I said, the argument can be made that C.J. McCollum instantly becomes the, the best player on your team. So you pair him with a Brandon Ingram uh, you hope to get a healthy Zion Williamson back soon. And right now, I want to say you're looking ninth, tenth in the West, maybe. So mm-hmm. right now you're looking to to get into that conversation for a playing game. Uh, and this is this is a move to to get you there. Like this is a true score. You know what CJ McCullum gonna give you. Um so yeah, I mean, I love the day. Like you say, any for a team like the Pelicans, this is how you have to do it. It has to yep. be in trade. Like mm-hmm. you say, uh, y'all so used to giving away the big player, the, the Chris Paul, the Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. Uh, this time you're getting one back, and you didn't have to give up the house for him. So that's mm-hmm. that's real huge for the Pelicans. To me, the Pelicans definitely won that trade. Um, but once again, you're looking at Portland, and Portland's just trying to clear up money. Portland's just... Portland's like, look, we, we're trying to rebuild around Damian Lillard. I know this trade is going uh this trade is gonna end up this offseason giving them over sixty million dollars in calorie space because mm-hmm. they're gonna, you know, dropping a lot of contracts. So they did what they wanted to do in the midst of that trade as well. Um the Pacers. The Pacers came out uh a few days ago and traded Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb. <laughs> And Aaron, uh, Justin Holiday to Sacramento for Buddy Hield and Tyrese Halliburton. Sacramento is a team. Sacramento has been a weird team for a long time, but ever since I want to say the first year after they traded Boogie, um, since then they've been a team with good young talent that still couldn't translate it into anything. Yeah. Oh, so now it's okay. Well, what do we do with this young talent that we've had that hasn't been able to do anything for us? Do we keep it and keep trying to, you know, make it? Yeah. Yeah. Or do we, or do we start, you know, getting rid of pieces? Uh, when you look at Buddy Hill, Buddy Hill is somebody they were willing to trade last summer. So we knew Buddy Hill's time was going to be uh, uh, limited there. But Halliburton is somebody who's been really good for them, and mm-hmm. their fans love this dude. Like, mm-hmm. I got on Twitter after this trade, and they were losing their minds, mm-hmm. not over Buddy Heald being traded, but because of Halliburton was being traded. Right. Um, even though, just like we talked about the Pelicans, um, Sabonis instantly becomes the best player on your team, easily. Yeah. Like, there's no question about it. I didn't the like best player on your team since Boogie. Yeah. So, uh, but you you know, but Kings fans, they they don't know no better. They they don't know what winning is. So 
Yeah. Uh, what you feel about that one, though? I didn't like giving up Sabonis. I feel like he had more of a ceiling than Buddy Hill. And I'll tell you, I was real big on Buddy Hill coming out of college. I love that the the Pelicans uh, drafted him. And after a couple years, the shooting is, in the NBA was not even close to what it was in college. So yeah. when we dealt when, when when we traded him, I was like that that they moved off them early, which was good, um, and and I liked it. But then he went to Sacramento, and he was, all of a sudden he could shoot the three ball. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, he he's turned into a pretty a pretty rounded guard. But yeah. uh, I'm just kind of big on Sabonis. I ain't gonna lie, I kind of I, I like Sabonis a lot. Uh, he can shoot it, and I mean he can play multiple positions or whatnot. And I just think we haven't seen his max game yet. Is what it truly is. And I agree. I, I think, um, once again, Indiana trading Karis LeVert signaled to me that they were ready to just start fresh. Yeah. Uh, so I figured Miles Turner would be next. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles Turner ended up not getting traded before this deadline, but Sabonis did. And once again, that signals to me that they just want to start fresh. Yeah. Uh, but he, t- uh, Tyrese Halliburton is somebody that's definitely going to be part of their plans going forward. Mm-hmm. Buddy Hill, I wouldn't be shocked if come this offseason he's being moved again. Yep. Um, so for Indiana, just like for Portland, for a rebuild, yeah, that's a great move for y'all. Um, and then for Sacramento, look, you got a true star now. And like you say, who haven't even reached his potential, you were able to keep De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you still you still have a talented team there. What are you going to do with it? And they're young. Yeah, and they're young. They're super young. Um. So, <laughs> what was funny to me was uh, Bradley Beal after the CJ McCollum trade, um, and Portland put out that they weren't really trying to trade Damian Lillard. CJ uh, Bradley Beal came out and was like, "All right, well, I'm having surgery on my wrist. I'm for the year. If y'all not, if y'all not gonna get me, uh, if y'all not gonna be able to get me, uh, Damian Lillard, then I'm out of here." Um, so today we had a bunch of trades go down in very fast order. Uh, it was hard for me to keep up with for a minute because I was working as well. Um, so get back to my phone. I got 17 tweets. All right, well, let, let's sort through these. So. Started off with seeing that the Kings trading again. They traded Marvin Bagley the third to the Pistons, mm-hmm. um, which ended up being a four-team trade. So Milwaukee ended up sending Dante DiVincenzo to Sacramento. Um, Marvin Bagley went to Detroit. Uh, trade uh, Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles went to Sacramento as well, and. I'm missing somebody because they got another team involved. Um, oh, the Clippers. The Clippers were involved in this trade. The Clippers uh, got Rodney Hood, um, and the Bucks got Sergi Baca. So mm. that's a lot of moving pieces right there. Um, once again, I miss the team, that. I, I miss Sergi Baca going to to the Bucks. To the Bucks, yeah. yeah. So, I mean. I think I like this trade for every team uh, for a different reason, except for the Clippers. The Rodney Hood trade, I mean, bringing in Rodney Hood doesn't do anything for me. I hate the Clippers. Um, but the trade that they made last weekend with Portland, getting Norman Powell and Robin Covington for Eric Bledsoe, that was an absolute win for the Clippers. Like, that was I, – I, I was like, shit, well, <laughs> like, I wish we had money to make this trade because this is this is a steal. Yeah. Um, 
But them getting Rodney Hood in this deal, that doesn't do anything for me. Uh, the Kings getting Dante DiVincenzo, that is somebody that I'm real big on. He can shoot yeah, the three, great. he can play defense. Yeah. Uh, that is, that is for me, that's huge to be able to put him on side of Darren Fox in the backcourt and mm-hmm. then have Sabonis, uh playing your four, basically. So I love that. And they got Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson is more of a small four these days, but Trey Lyles is a stretch four. Yeah. Um, which, once again, Sacramento, that's how they've always wanted to play. Um, Serge Ibaka going to the Bucks, going to the defending champs. That's another good move. Yeah. Uh, that uh, And then Marvin Bagley to the Pistons. Marvin Bagley, it was time for a change of scenery for him. I don't mm. think he's played at all. Uh, if he had, it hasn't been much this season just because he told the team he wanted out, I think, before the season even started. Uh, so they haven't played him a lot. So it's a win for almost everybody in the street trade, like I said, except for the Clippers, in my opinion. It's, and it's no one who the Clippers could have brought in at this point. If it wasn't a, a, a already made superstar, that's the only way the Clippers are going to improve any, anyhow uh, this season. Uh, well, like I, said, about, I do like them bringing in Norman Powell and Robin Covington. That's, oh, yeah, and that's good. Special, I mean, yeah. I, you know, to me, Robin Covington, his defense is slept on like major. He's, a to me, a yeah. great defender. And, I mean, he can shoot the three now as well. He was another guy kind of early in his career struggled, you know, shooting the ball, and now he's figured it out. But uh, Serge Ibaka with the Bucks, like I said, I don't know how that got past me. I didn't even see that. <laughs> and what's yeah. so crazy, like, everybody was talking about they feel like Milwaukee need another guard. And I'm like, as long as they can get a big who can continue to stretch the floor for Giannis, you get in the playoffs, anything's possible again, which we know they're still, you know, the best, if not one of the best, then the best uh, teams in the Eastern Conference or whatnot. So I think that that's going to out, play out big. We know, you know, Serge can definitely stroke it. Um Great jump shot. Um, he's not what he used to be for his weak side help on defense, but yeah, I mean he's not a liability when he's on the floor on defense. Exactly. So it's gonna be pretty pretty big for Milwaukee moving forward. Yeah, Milwaukee is a team that's big on defense. Um yep. I hate them losing DiVincenzo at guard. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since I can't I don't think I can name another shooting guard on their team. But I mean, um, when, you, when you think about it, the the thing that probably played a major part wasn't he hurt last year in the, in the playoffs for a little he bit was. or something like that? Yeah, yeah he so was. I mean, if you look at it like they went a major stretch without him. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did absolutely did. But what's the chances of them being able to do that again? I feel you, but especially when you're going up against a Miami who has Jimmy Butler or you know yeah. uh, Philly, who now we about to talk about them now, but a team that yeah. has Jay Harden or you know guys like that. Yeah, they, they they feel um, like they could take their chances. I would I think I would have I would have pulled the plug to get Sergi Vaca too in that situation. The Celtics made some trades today. None of them were really big. No. Um, they traded PJ Dozier and and Bobo uh, to the Magic. That's basically that was basically them just clearing up room. And then they traded um, Josh Richardson to San Antonio for Derek White, which is a good move. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, Josh, I Richardson, just don't Josh Richardson always on the move, bro. And man, <laughs> it seems like every time his um his value gets sky high, mm-hmm. he gets moved and then it just drops. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was like that. I want to say in Dallas, yep. it got up there. They traded him to Boston. Boom. He hasn't done anything to Boston. <laughs> I doubt he does anything in San Antonio. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they bought him out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but once again, and San Antonio was also a team that got active, uh, today too. It looks like they're in, uh, 
they're in a mode to where they're clearing money up as well to to set themselves up for the future. Um, so the big trade, the biggest trade of the day, was the Brooklyn Nets trading James Harden to the 76ers for Ben Simmons, finally. Mm-hmm. This is a deal that I've been wanting to get done for a long time. For one, because it made sense. It never made sense for me to me for Houston to trade James. We talked about it last year. For Houston to trade James Harden to Brooklyn instead of Philadelphia. Um, and they could have had Ben Simmons and been far uh, past what they are right now with the team, and James Harden would already be in Philly. Um, ben Simmons, who, once again, we haven't seen him all year uh, because he wasn't going to play for them at any point. James Harden has gotten extremely frustrated with Brooklyn as of late. I want to say they're on a nine-game losing streak. Kevin Durant is hurt. James Harden understands that. What he doesn't understand is why the fuck Kyrie only playing away games when I'm out here every night trying to get things done, especially when Kevin Durant is hurt, Joe Harris is hurt. You know, we we short on people. Once again, 100% understandable. So this trade made all of the sense in the world to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks for James Harden, uh, and I want to say Paul Millsap got thrown in the deal as well. Mm-hmm. Philly still managed to get, I mean, no, Brooklyn still managed to get a lot. For, for real. Harden. A lot for, for James real. Harden. Yeah. Uh, because if I'm Philadelphia, I mean, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm like, look, I'm going to send you James Harden. I know they talked, I want to say they talked last week and things got hung up because they wanted Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. And Philly wasn't willing to send them Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how it goes from we got hung up on Seth Curry to okay now we're gonna give you Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and two first round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brooklyn definitely came out nice. We know what Ben Simmons is defensively. He's gonna make that that team better because that team don't want to play defense in general. So uh, defensively, he just made that team way better. The fact that they got Seth Curry in that deal is the biggest part. To, is the biggest yep. thing to me. For you to be able to plug in Seth Curry uh, as shooting guard uh, after no, he's not James Harden, but he's somebody who can shoot the three very mm-hmm. well. He's mm-hmm. real active on defense. Yep. Um, so he's definitely, especially for that team, a, a good starter. Mm-hmm. So to add Ben Simmons to that, so now you got Kyrie, you got Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Whoever you want to throw out there at center, whether it's Claxton, Lamarcus Aldridge, whoever you want to throw out mm-hmm. there at center, you you made your team better. Yeah. Uh, which Philly did too, because once again, I wasn't playing Ben Simmons anyway, mm-hmm. and now I have a player who, in James Harden, who one ain't afraid to shoot, he's going to shoot, and he's an outside player. So mm-hmm. I got my big man with Joel Embiid, who's going to do everything on the inside. And I have somebody who's not going to clash with him because he has to play on the inside. Um, I love this deal. Like I say, I thought it should have been done. Um, I love Brooklyn being able to get Seth Curry. I think Philly put themselves in a better position as of today than Brooklyn, just because of the injuries that Brooklyn is dealing with. But I definitely like the trades on both sides. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I don't think this have, have, could have been done any fair. If you Philly, you've held on to Ben Simmons for so long that it's become like a circus around your organization. 
everybody's like basically turning into the last the laughing stock of the NBA because they're like, look, what you asking for this guy is just unrealistic. You would never get a play of that sort uh, from trading Ben Simmons. Took longer than expected, right? But boom, you get James Harden. I feel like they were kind of forced to give up Seth Curry. And if you said, of course, you know, he was loved in Philly. Uh, he was able to play the one and the two at, for them at times. Great shooter. Uh, he can move without the basketball. And he made a lot of big shots down the stretch in his career in Philly. Uh, but it's just one of those situations where he's a, a casualty to the, to the NBA. Uh, we have to move this guy. We spent the first round overall draft pick on him. Um, he's not playing. I mean, it's just been a circus, like I said. So, if you have to give up a player like Seth Curry in order to move on from Ben Simmons and get an already made star in James Harden, you have to take that chance because who knows when the next anything even close to a James Harden may even come about uh, with the talks of a Ben Simmons. And if you are um, Brooklyn, you have to you have to go. And like I said, everybody was like, you know, I think this can work. I think this could work. I could. I think this could work. And Kyrie Irving if, and we just talked about Boston, how they just trade players to trade players. Boston was a team that was loaded for years on veteran and rookie uh, talent. They had a great run. I want to say they lost to LeBron a couple a couple years ago when they had um, uh, uh, Rogier playing point. Nice yeah. guy for us coming around to the point guard position, was kind of thrown to the fire or whatnot. And they made a trade for Kyrie Irving, and they lost all those guys. And that organization hasn't been the same and I kind of feel like he's doing the same thing to Brooklyn. Uh, you can't have a star player who's the second best player uh, on your team, the starting point guard, all this good stuff. And this dude is not playing road games like that is just nonsense. And you can say what you want to say about James Harden. But at the end of the day, he's human. Like, bro, we all going through the same situation. Like it's unheard of. You're the only player out here that's doing it. So yeah, I, I respect James mind for getting up out of there, man. I really do. It's hard for me to invest and say, I'm going to sacrifice shots. I'm going to sacrifice this, that, and the other, but yet this dude not even playing all games. Get out of here with that, man. So uh, they got a, they got a guy in Ben Simmons who's going to be expected to, to, um, you know, come in and defend immediately. Uh, I don't think there would be no situation where Ben Simmons uh, takes the ball out of Kevin Durant's hand or Kyrie Irving's hands or whatnot. So it's a win-win for both organizations. Well, as long as they're playing at home, he ain't got to worry about taking the ball out of Kyrie's hands because he ain't going to be there. <laughs> uh, and I was saying last week how personally I would have I would have saw what I could get for Kyrie, if anything. If I could have got anything for Kyrie Irving, I would have traded him. Uh, James Harden has been the consistent uh, honestly, of the three since he's been James there, wanted, he wanted out of there, just like he wanted well, out of Houston there because of Kyrie. Like, but so I'm saying, that, I think, I'm saying, I think he had already gotten to the point where it's like, no, don't make me make y'all get rid of him. Get rid of me. I think that was his demeanor. I think he would have been fine if Kyrie was gone. As long as he was away from Kyrie, I think he would have been fine. Um, yeah. and and to me, that's what I would have sought out to do. Maybe they did, and it just didn't. Uh, turn into anything, which I, I can understand that too. You know, <laughs> who's trying to deal with Kyrie at this point? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you talking about a big three that got put together last year um, and they played 16 games together over the course of a year and a half or so. So it, it, it could have been something special. It didn't play out that way. 
uh, way better for them to go ahead and break it up now and still keep trying to hold on to it. And and then you look at this offseason and all three players, I want to say, have an opt-out. So you definitely didn't want to get to that point. Um, but, yeah, so um, the other big – I don't want to call him a superstar – but the other big big name to get moved uh, today was Christoph Przingis, mm-hmm. which is somebody else I, I spoke on recently and said Dallas got to get what they can get for him because him and him and Luca is not going to win them anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Christoph Przingis ended up getting traded for Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, the Wizards also spent uh, also sent Davis Bertans in that deal as well. Mm-hmm. So. Christoph Przingis basically got moved for nothing. Uh, basically. Spencer Dinwiddie is a good player. He's been fighting injuries uh, over the past year, too, which has derailed what he could have been or what he was looking like he was going to be. But mm-hmm. I was, when Kevin Durant announced he was going to Brooklyn, I was like, man, y'all yeah. got to keep Dinwiddie. <laughs> for real, for real. That's going to be amazing. And the yep. injury just haven't, haven't allowed Dinwiddie to be that guy anymore. Maybe he can get back to that. If so, I mean, he's still not worth Przingis to me. But for Dallas, I think it was time for that change. Uh, Przingis wasn't wasn't going to get it done for them on, on alongside Luca. So if nothing else, you came off of that max contract to put yourself in a position to go get another one. And I think uh, just like we discussed the Ben Simmons situation, it was the perfect storm again with these two teams. You got to play in uh, – uh, with Spencer, who we know that he's not welcome in the locker room, pretty much. Uh, everybody wanted him up out of there. And then you turn around and look at Porzingis. You got the front office basically saying, look, bro, we have no faith in you. And that's even from the bubble days when um, yep. they what not, took knocked down the, the Clippers, I think, that year, if I'm not mistaken. And they still uh-huh. wasn't pleased. Like, yeah, bro, we, we still don't want you. So this was the perfect situation. Like, like you said, move on from that that cap number. Now we're able to bring in another star with Luca, and you know we'll see where we go from there. Exactly. Um, Przingis is just he's one of those guys to where you're looking at him and you're like, well, he got to be somebody number three. Which you know, it, it initially it looked like he could be a one. Then we was like, oh, he could be a two with Luca. Now we're looking at it and saying, well, no, you got you to gotta be somebody's third. In order to I, win with you, you got to be somebody's third. It's not even about being a three. I think he just has to be in a situation where he's kind of not expected to do much. And you look up and go, oh, he's averaging 15 and whatever or 20 a third, points. Like, it's, a, it's a third, <laughs> but I'm saying it's not expected. It's, I kind of look at him as like the kind of Andrew Wiggins thing in, in Golden State. Like, if you want to say he the, he's the third, cool, say he's the third. But if Porzingis don't put up 20 tonight, we still could win. He needs to be in a situation like that. Yeah, huh? because, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a third. Because when you yeah. think about it, most teams who are going to be contenders, they're going to have two guys putting up more than 20. Yeah. Uh, or or they're going to have a guy who you look at and say, oh, that's a, that's a defensive lockdown type of guy. Porzingis isn't that either. So, you know. <laughs> I think think what it is is, like, just classifying him as anything. Like, giving him any title is not going to do it for me. Like, I don't see (laughs) Yeah, I don't think – I think he's more than a role player. Like, I don't think he's that. I think he still is – like, I got to keep saying – like you said, Andrew Wiggins. Like, Andrew Wiggins isn't expected to go out there and get 25 points a night, 
but he is expected to be able to give them that 15 and that but, help on defense in order for them to win games. Because without it, it could still hurt them. And see, I kind of look at that more as like Draymond. Like, I feel like Draymond is Golden State's third. Like, Draymond he, ain't even been there. Like, and that's no, no, no. Point. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh, I don't look at Draymond anymore. I don't. I, I look at Draymond and I see Tony Allen these days. Like I see that guy that defensively he's going to lead the charge. Offensively, I'm not expecting anything from him. And see, that's what I'm. And that's how I feel about Porzingis. I feel like Draymond Green defense and his his toughness, his his energy is needed for Golden State to be Golden State. But I look at Porzingis and say. I want him in a situation where none of that is needed. If he gives us 10, whatever. He gives us 20, we definitely win it. That's the situation I think he has to be in in order to, like, really move forward and, and continue to be somebody in the NBA. Yeah, and, and I see it as we still expect 15 to 17 and 10 rebounds from you every night. Say if we can get that 15 to 17 points and 10 rebounds from you a night, and we're going to win. Uh, and, and once again, but he should be, be able to do it, but he's he's always hurt. So it's kind of like well, he's, he's able to do it. But in a situation like in Dallas, he's not he's counted on to know we need 25. We need 25 yeah. from you. We need 30 from Luca. And, yeah. and I don't think he can give you that. And that trans and that translates to you being a contender for a title. Because I feel like when when you when you put him as oh, he's the third to me, like the third, like you're, you're going to run plays for when your one or your two go out. Now he has this bigger role. I just feel like if he's hot, feed him the rock, kind of like how it was in Dallas. It, now in Dallas, they just ignored him on offense completely. Like he was <laughs> wide open not getting the ball, and I don't agree with that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. when he's hot, you have to feed him the rock, especially when he's winning favorable matchups. I don't care how much taller he is than – Paul George or whatever three that the NBA throw on him. This dude is seven feet tall, and he that's he's a legit seven feet tall who can shoot the basketball. So if he got a hot hand at night, you got to give him the rock. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think for Washington, this is a this is a move to try to entice Bradley Beal on staying. Um, Bradley Beal claims that he wants to be in Washington, but that's what most people say. You got to say that you want to stay where you are. I know he's eligible to get his uh, Supermax uh, this offseason. I can't say I'll be shocked if he takes it just because the money with those contracts is just so insane. I think he's looking at like $260 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it won't be because y'all got me presenting. Like, right. That won't be the reason why he's signing up for that. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a very uh, – a very – active trade deadline, uh, which is always uh, a good thing to see because it's rarely the case. Um, In my opinion, the only deals that really made anybody a great deal worse or better is the Philadelphia situation. Um, Brooklyn is going to depend on whether Joe Harris and Kevin Durant can get healthy and how how healthy can they get. Um, Because if Kevin Durant gets healthy, uh, and Joe Harris is back, then I, I don't see anybody beating them in the East. But if uh, if that can't happen, then it's hard. It's tough for me to look at Philly right now and see anybody beating them, even with how well Miami is playing and with how well uh, maybe Milwaukee still. I was gonna say I think um, Milwaukee is still is still a team I will roll with. 
at this point. Maybe Milwaukee still, but once again, bro, that, that Dante move really bothered me uh, defensively for them because I know how big they are on defense. And then I just think of the matchup and say, well, would you Holiday be able to lock down James Harden? I don't think so. And be going to get – and B gonna get what he wants, bro. I know how you feel about Drew Holiday, and we're not even about to go down that road. Drew Holiday is a good defender. Nobody's stopping James Harden. Like I don't. <laughs> so, Most important, I know how you feel about Drew Holiday. It, it's not a conversation to be had. Nobody's stopping James Harden. He gonna get what he get, and right. that's just what I was about to say about Embiid. Even if you throw Giannis on Embiid, Embiid still gonna get his. Oh, that's so true. yeah. So I, I, it's tough for me to see. Uh, anybody beating those guys, but those are the only deals that really move the needle as far as this season. Yeah. Uh, the Pelicans, I mean, they put them in a position of where they now, they sh- if they can get Zion back healthy, they yeah. can tr- make a true playoff run. Yeah, um, and that's, a, that's definitely a step forward for them uh, as well. Um, but winner of free agency, I'm definitely going with, with the Sixers. With the Sixers? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree, because to me, you 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 got rid of a player that hadn't played for you this season and mm-hmm. replaced him with one of the best scorers in the NBA. Paired uh, with one with the best big man in in the best NBA. Big, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's tough to beat right there. Um, as for my Lakers and them still getting my tears every other night, we're gonna see if we can get out the buyout market. Uh, I know. Goran Dragic is probably a name that's headed there, but he's going to have a lot of suitors. Uh, oh, yeah, I would love Goran Dragic in L.A. That's 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 perfect. If you you get Goran Dragic in L.A., Russell Westbrook going to the bench. You you bring <laughs> Russell Westbrook off with your second unit and you're able to start going Dragic, that's – That and would me, change. You needed, more, you needed more of a Seth Curry type of type of guy there. Like his three point percentage is up there throughout he, his career. He can shoot it, but he's very streaky as well. Like he he has, he hasn't always been like a a dead on spot up shooter. But I just like the fact that Seth is so he's so versatile with the ball. He can kind of create offense. Now he's not strong and he's not getting to the rack and and all that good stuff. But for his spacing, that's what I'm looking at. If I'm the Lakers, I'm thinking a healthy LeBron. I'm thinking a healthy AD. I know it's it's hard to phantom that for a Laker fan at times because it's like one of them always dealing with something, if it, even if it's just rest for LeBron. But playoff time, I'm thinking healthy Laker team, and I want LeBron demanding the ball. Uh, probably going to see a lot of guys crowd when he start driving. You're kicking out to guys like Seth Curry. Even a, a, a mellow, if mellow and set both on the floor at the same time, I kind of like that. Um, but I ain't gonna lie, I definitely thought y'all was gonna find a suitor for Westbrook. I was one of the NBA fans saying there is somebody out there that is willing to take on the Russell Westbrook, and I thought it was gonna bring a young, unproven player to the Lakers team. I didn't think it was gonna be for another like true vet. I thought it would be yeah, yeah. Yeah, and once again, ain't nobody biting on him. Not because he's not a good player, mm-hmm. uh, but because of the contract more than right. anything. And John right. Wall has a similar contract, but to me, he's a similar player but lesser. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't want to make that deal. Uh, Goran Dragic, like I say, he's going to have a lot of suitors. I think he finally ends up at Dallas if he gets bought out, which I think he will. Um, but there's always some surprises in the buyout market as well. The Lakers, of course, are going to be up there just because they have LeBron. So mm-hmm. we'll see what that brings. Um, man, the last the last NFL game we get until 
August. <laughs> That's all I kept saying all day. Like everybody like Super Bowl Sunday, and they like, man, this is the Super Bowl, and I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about it more like this is the last NFL game. Like that's what I'm seeing till August. Um. Oh, before we even get to that, because we hadn't talked about this either. Uh, what's today? Thursday. So Saturday night, the awards get given out. We haven't talked about awards since the beginning of the season. Uh. So let's go, let's go through some of those MVP. Who you got? Well, I told you, my, my MVP is Tom Brady, but the way this thing works, he's not going to get it. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to get the, the, the MVP. I'm going to roll with Aaron Rodgers as well. We had a conversation about it, I think, off air. Maybe it was on air, um, probably towards the, the end of the season, and you stated why you thought it was Tom. I, I stated why I thought it was Aaron Rodgers. Um yeah, I, I, it's a quarter. It's definitely a quarterback award. There are some non-quarterbacks that would definitely deserve it, but it's a quarterback award, so we agree there. I'm gonna go with Aaron Rodgers, uh, offensive player of the year. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Yes. <laughs> There's only one guy uh, other than Cooper Cup who I would consider, and that's Jonathan Taylor. But mm-hmm. the, the season the Cooper Cup had ended up being uh, more ridiculous and, and unexpected than Jonathan Taylor's season. So I'd, I'd, I'd roll with Cooper Cup there and as I, well. I think the thing about Jonathan Taylor is if Derrick Henry plays a full season, we, we, don't, we probably don't even recognize the year Jonathan Taylor truly had. But because Derrick Henry was out, it was like, whoa, this is Jonathan Taylor's year. But yeah. I really think if Derrick Henry is here, we'll be saying Derrick Henry's name over Jonathan Taylor. He had a great year now. He had a he had a, a, a outstanding year. Really in the second half of the year, he really turned it on. But uh, yeah. overall, I think I would have to go with Cooper Cup. Uh, defensive player of the year. I think this probably be the first place we differ. Who you got? Defensive player of the year? I'm going Aaron Donald here. Um, well, see, it's just hard to say because – if you're looking at it from a sack standpoint, of course, T.J. Watt. He tied the record more than likely. He a year on at the D tackle position. That's what a lot of people forget. I saw something today that was just so like absurd. Uh, they had Trey uh, Hendrickson with 14 sacks compared to Aaron Donald with 12, and like I'll take Trey all day. Man, get out of here. This <laughs> dude is playing D tackle, bro. Getting double digit sacks manhandling everybody. The Rams' whole defense is led by what 99 can do up front. Um, He's the reason that, to me, that they win games. Um, But if I had to pick, I'm going to say T.J. Watt's going to get it because he tied the sack record. I'm going to go with T.J. Watt. I agree with you with Aaron Donald, but this is hard to say. To me, T.J. Watt means more for Pittsburgh's defense than Aaron Donald means for the Rams' defense. Um, and that's not because of the talent that Aaron Donald is or isn't or the talent that T.J. Watt is or isn't. It's about what's around him. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, of course, had Leonard Floyd on one side, Von Miller on the other, Jalen Ramsey in the back. T.J. Watt out there on the island by himself. Mostly, you mm-hmm. know, when, when you really look at it. Yeah, he got Minka Fitzpatrick back there, who is re- a really good player, but for TJ Watt uh to to come off that line and like you say tie the sack record uh it seems like every year we uh, I'm not going to say we it's it's a media thing too when I look around it seems like TJ Watt is the forgotten man until the season actually starts people you go in so? you talk about the Aaron Donalds you talk about the Miles Garrett the Bob Miller the Khalil Max 
TJ Watt is, is never at the top of that list. He's never top three in that list. So he's kind mm-hmm. of the forgotten man until he gets his hands in the dirt and, and goes out and performs. And this year, like I said, like like we we've already said it twice, he tied the sack record. So that's something mm-hmm. that's going to garner that honor uh, of defensive player of the year, I'm sure. And see, I kind of feel that way about Miles Garrett. I feel like he's always the guy that's forgotten. And even last year, to me, Miles Garrett deserved to win Defensive Player of the Year. He got COVID, and he just wasn't even a shell of himself after returning those last handful of games. Yeah. But the last three years, I mean, he's been right there at the at the at the peak of the list when you considering guys for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, yeah. I love Miles Garrett. He plays the run just as well as the pass. Um, mm-hmm. He can do it all. He has the size. I mean, he's fantastic. Uh, but this is a stat-driven league. And when I talk sports, I can't even truly talk sports to everybody because a lot of times stats is the last thing that that I even consider. I like more of X's and O's and things of that nature. But uh, Miles Garrett does a lot. Um, just like Aaron Donald, he does a lot that doesn't show up um, on the stat sheet. So, like, uh, you know, unless you really understand football – you would you won't understand how important he is to that Rams defense. Sure, they got Jalen Ramsey, who probably is the best corner in football. Absolutely, absolutely, Malcolm Floyd is a is another good football player. Absolutely, I want Von Miller even in his thirties. But what ninety nine is doing is ridiculous. It's it's flat out ridiculous. And I feel the same about all three of those guys. Uh, but, uh, I was about to say Von Miller. Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, and Miles Garrett. I feel the same about all three of those guys. Is Aaron Donald the best of them? Probably. Probably mm-hmm. so. Probably probably the, the best of them for sure. But I feel like their impact is the same. Uh, so when you throw that into if when you throw that in and then add on, oh, he got the sack record, it's mm-hmm. hard to look past, you know, TJ Watt. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> offensive rookie of the year. <laughs> uh <laughs> Um, what's my boy name? It kind of caught me off guard that you asked me because, like, when we first started, I was like, "There's no way he's gonna, he, you know, he's gonna ask that <laughs> one." But uh, Jamal Chase, man, and Cincy. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it started off. <laughs> this season started off about eight games. Then I was looking at it and was like, "It's gonna end up being Mac Jones." Yeah. Um, and that was before he really hit his stride yeah. for the, end of the season. But Jamal Chase came through and yeah. and dominated the second yeah. half of the season. So that's that's an easy one. Defensive rookie of the year is also an easy one. They got to be Michael Parsons, and that's mm-hmm. not close. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's so crazy. I had him in consideration for defensive player of the year. Period. Yeah, like, of course. Period. Yeah. yeah, him and Trayvon Diggs. They they had seasons that were well. <laughs> once again, like you said, it's a stat driven league. Yeah, he puts himself in positions to come up with interceptions. You can't take that away from him, even though he's also a bad corner. So him him being a defensive player of the year candidate is basically is strictly off his ball hawk skills and not his particular covering skills. I feel you. Uh, which Dan Quinn definitely got to do something about that next year. Um, <laughs> um let's do oh coach of the year. Oh, that's a good one. Coach of the year. Mm. It's so. I may have to think about this one for a minute, Sid. Man, Mike Verbal. I'm going Mike Verbal. That's a good one. That is that is a real that is a good one. 
Um, man, you this this is the toughest one for sure. Um, if because I was I was part of the camp that was saying, hey, if the Saints mess around and make the playoffs, it's Sean Payton. <laughs> Didn't make the playoffs, so I, I can't see them actually giving it to him. Man, Mike Vrabel is a really good one though. Um I think I'm gonna have to agree with you. Once again, man, when Derrick Henry went down around what week nine, we thought yeah, the ten over. Was over. Yeah. We thought they were going to go from the one seed to to the bottom of the the conference, and that just didn't happen. They were able to stay afloat. They were able to go into the playoffs with the one seed. Nobody saw that happening. Right. So I, I, I agree with you. Like I, I think I'd roll with Mike Vrabel on that one. Um, that, that's that's the biggest awards right there. Comeback Player of the Year is one two. Um, I can't really think of anybody right Comeback off the top of my head. Yeah. That's a big one that they, they give out. Um, I don't think I can think of any. Oh, Joe Burrow. It'll be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow will be coming player of the year. <laughs> I instantly thought of Odell Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe Burrow, bro. Yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow would definitely be coming player of the year. All right. So, once again, like we were saying before, before we jumped into that conversation, the last pro football game we're going to see until August. We got the Cincinnati Bengals against the LA Rams for the Super Bowl. Who you got, man? How you see I, this one going? I, so the football got me in saying the Rams. It's, yeah. I'm saying the Rams. I feel like other teams had Cincy right there, right? If you think about all the issues that Oakland has had on the defensive side to feel their secondary to be, um, you know, just to be the, the, the thing to target, they were in the game with Cincy, came down to the wire last play of the game. You go to Kansas City. Uh, another team that doesn't really have a great secondary, right? They were, they had a crazy lead to me, still should have won that game. I think the the Rams is the mixture of we have definitely have enough offense, but we also have enough defense to where if we do get up, we're not going to let our, our foot off your necks. So, yeah. I mean, I can sit here and tell you how bad Cincinnati's offensive line is, but that's not going to do you do me any good because Joe Burrow <laughs> has been out there balling against these great defenses. Uh, but I do think it's it's going to be close for a half. But what, what really does it for me is that this Rams team have so many veteran players. I mean, Matthew Stafford, uh, uh, Sean McVay has, has coached the Super Bowl. You got Cooper Cup. He's been in the Super Bowl. You have um, Odell Beckham, another veteran player. Uh, we know they O-line, full of veteran players. Uh, and then on the defensive side, the the, the 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 ball, I don't even have to go on about it. So I just think that you got a hungry team um, in the Rams that that are loaded offensively and defensively. They have the experience. Um, Super Bowl is in L.A. Uh, yeah. they, they just have a lot going for them. Um, the Bengals have overachieved. Like, they have overachieved it more than any team. Even if the Saints would have made the playoffs, the Bengals making a Super Bowl. Even if they lose 35 nothing, Most overachieving team in football this season. Uh, but I just can't see how Joe Burrow is not asked to put the ball in harm's way this game. He's, to me, he's going to have to take some shots that's necessarily not there, give his, give his, give his guys – chances at balls. Um, the only way that this one is even close, Matthew Stafford has to have one of his worst games of all time. 
he has to be that playing against San Francisco, throwing back-to-back interceptions, Matthew Stafford, for Cincy to have a chance. The Rams are minus four, by the way. And I would, I would have thought it would have been more like six and a half. Um, so this Super Bowl, well, the first thing I want to agree with you on is the Bengals overachieving. This is absolutely, uh, they absolutely give me the feeling of they're a year early to to where they could could have possibly got to. If you were telling me next year, uh, at this time they they worked their way and they got to the Super Bowl, I, I definitely see it. I think this is a year too early. They definitely overachieved this year. <clears throat> the second thing for me is I look at this matchup a lot like we had to look at last year's matchup when we looked at uh, Tampa Bay's defense and we saw what had happened to decimate the Kansas City offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were like, man, that's going to be a challenge for Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City offense. The difference this year is this has been the Bengals offensive line all year. <laughs> They're just bad. And and somehow uh, Joe Burrow uh, and that defense has been able to overcome them being bad. Um the Rams have a defense that's not going to stop coming at you at any right. point in this game. Every play, they're coming to get Joe Burrow from every direction, and I feel like they're going to get there often. Even if it doesn't mm-hmm. result in a sack, they're going to get there. Their secondary isn't much worse than what their uh, defensive line is. So Joe Burrow just throwing the ball up and trying to get it to Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or any of those guys. Um, man, you got Jalen Ramsey sitting back there. You got Darius Williams, who doesn't get enough praise, in my opinion. You got Eric Weddle, who just got off the couch and is flying around and looking like he he never left. Um, that's it, so even with Joe Burrow trying to make plays on his own, I think he's going to end up being to his detriment more more than to them succeeding with him getting out of the pocket and and just trying to get the ball up and things of that nature. Um, so it's it's tough for me to see the Bengals win this game. Uh, it's tough for me to see this being a close game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Rams win this by at least 10 points. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, maybe it is a, a close first half and then the Rams pull away in the second half. I guess I can see that. Um, but it's hard for me to believe that the Bengals are not only going to be able to somehow come over how bad that offensive line is against a great defensive line and put up a good amount of points, but also be able to stop Matthew Stafford and that offense um, while they're in full stride as they look to be right now. Cooper Cup, once again, uh, the best wide receiver in the league this season, uh, and he he just can't be kept up with. So I don't care if, if you put Eli Apple up there, over there, good luck. Uh, and I think the other corner is Awuzie, who is a better corner, but still, good luck. So, mm-hmm. um, and then you got to worry about Odell Beckham as well. Uh, I don't, I, I don't think the Bengals stand a chance. I would be shocked if they won this game. So, uh, and like I said, I got the Rams winning by at least ten points. So I got them covering that. So we we stand on the same side of that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I see a lot of people posting. Uh, Posting, uh, what to say? Uh, I hear that there's a football game at the at the Eminem Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg <laughs> Lamar concert this Sunday, which is which is fairly accurate. Yeah. Uh, 
So hopefully the game is enjoyable. Hopefully it's not, you know, a blowout from jump. You know, mm-hmm. you still want to be able to enjoy uh, what, once again, at the last pro football game, we're going to watch it till August. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm tuning in more so for the concert, if we're being honest. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm tuning in for the game. I, I can kind of care less about the performance. I'm not a big halftime. I found myself in half a halftime of, uh, Getting more rotel dipping wings, you know. I've been eating healthy now, so I don't know if it'll be that. But and for me, one hundred percent depends yeah. on who's performing. But when you got that lineup of performance, then you got yeah. like you telling me this early two thousands is what this is basically <laughs> outside of Kendrick Lamar. Oh, you got me hooked in. You you okay. got some rap. You got some rap at the. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. So yeah. Uh, so we'll get back on here next week and talk about that. Um, hopefully the Saints have decided on their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator by that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like every year for the past few years there's a big trade that goes on uh, right after the Super Bowl. I know last year with the Matthew Stafford trade, the year before mm-hmm. that, it was um, – oh, what was it the year before that? The Kirk Cousins trade maybe? Or was that two years ago? That might have been two two years yeah. ago. But I feel like every year for the past three years, there's a big trade that's going on uh, right here after the Super Bowl. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on as well. But, uh, man, we want to start focusing a little more on basketball and, and how that goes going forward. And we'll be back here next week. All right. I'm in the league, you boys not in my league If you listen close, I'm coaching Take key Cause the boy hella dope without pushing a Blanco Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto If I don't do nothing, I'm about Lonzo Every time I do it, do it the coldest